Okay, good morning, gentlemen. So uh, we're finishing up here at the bottom of Nun Chesamid Beis 58b uh, with the Shrikikin, uh with the story of the murderous times where people had to give up their property uh, to save their lives. And then the question was, these properties would be on the market, and uh, there were two different time frames. One, sometimes the property was sold under duress and it was not a sale. And if you bought it, you threw away your money. You have to give it back to the owner. Maybe you could get a refund, but it, you weren't allowed to keep it. And then there was another kind of sale where the owner really meant to transfer the deed. He actually put a deed in the name of the person, and uh, he did it f- with full intent. He was trying to save his life. And so those are the two types of the two different eras of the Shrikikin. But we said that either way, uh, in the case where you get to keep it, you got a deal on the land because when the... the Gentiles uh, threatened people and they got the land, they sold it for cheap because they just wanted to fence it as quickly as they could and get out of there. So when they sold it for cheap, so you benefited at the expense of the original owner and we're into Tikkun Olam, fixing the world, and the least you could do is give the original owner something. So you give him the cheap price that you got, the, the discount that you got. And we said that discount was a quarter. So now the question is how to figure out, we had a, two opinions about that quarter. Uh, does it mean, now I, I thought, of, thought of a way to explain it. Let's say the land was worth $100 and he sold it to you for 75 the goy. The goy stole this land, just try to make it simple. So when you go to the original owner, do you pay him the $25 that you saved? That's a revie, a quarter. Or... You say, well, 25% of 75 is uh, 14 and uh, 17 and a half, right? If you take 25% of uh, 75, so are you paying 20, a revie of what you paid? Or, or are you paying, right, 18, or are you paying the, uh, the 25? What is, how does that work? How, what formula do you use? So we had two opinions about that. Do you pay the uh the the 25% of what the f- official cost was or 25% of what you paid that that was the only question we had and we had two opinions um so the gomorrah wanted to prove um uh which which opinion was correct let's start three lines from the bottom i don't know why it's still not telling me anybody's here okay um Rabbi Hoshev Beisdin v'Nimnu. Rabbi put together a Beisdin, and they took a vote. That was the uh, when they, well, they always took a vote, but it means that they finalized. Many times they had these discussions that went on for centuries, and then they finally put it up for an official uh, resolve the situation. That's where they were Nimnu. They counted them, and they said Sheim So if the land was sold, and the Shrikikin the new owners were there for a long time, at least a year, and uh, the original owner doesn't make an attempt to get it back. We want Jews to buy the land back. We don't want it to remain with the Gentiles. So whoever buys it, buys it. Now, the, uh, the owner who buys it, he gives them a quarter, he can pay either. So this seems to say it is the 25%, not the, uh, not the higher than that. We mean that after uh, it ends up being 25%. So it really didn't prove either way in that debate. If the 25% was 
is he giving 25% of the value of the whole land, which could be, or is it 25% of what he paid? Omar uh, Rav. On that, now we get some side issues. Rav happened to be there for that vote. So Omar Rav, you always like when the Gemara gives you some of the details of what was going on over there. So Rav says, I was there. I, I was in that minion, Dibay Rabbi. Umine didei mani beresha. So, and uh, I was, um, I was voted first. I was the first one they asked for their opinion. So he shared that, that information. So the Morris says, wait a second. But didn't we learn? There's two different kinds of votes. That uh, normal votes, you start off, the first opinion you want to hear is the wisest one. You ask the, you know, the, let the person who has the most experience give his view first. And then all the people who have, are less knowledgeable, they'll say, wow, he, 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 he answered it already. He told it like, you know, this was the elder person. He's the one who should speak first. But, when it comes to life or death, then you let the, the peanut gallery, you let the other people speak. The main reason is that we're hoping somebody will find an outlier. We're looking for some, some obscure opinion, some reason to allow it to save the life. And once the major person has spoken, nobody else would speak up. So in, in, the, in, the, in the capital cases, they would allow the minor opinion. So over here, Rav was not the same as Rebbe. He was, he was a student. He was not the same level. So why would Rav uh, be speaking first if this was not a capital case? So in Rebbe's court... Kulo Manigo Menatzad. He never spoke first. Uh, the, one of them that we're, we're going to see was that, uh, say why, um, I think I saw that it was because of his humility, that he was, uh, he was just humble. He didn't consider himself to be the only speaker, which is amazing because, as we're going to see, Rebbe was one of the greatest. Of, from Moshe Rabbeinu till Rebbe, there was nobody like him. But he didn't assume to be the greatest of the court that he would speak first and everybody should listen to his opinion. Have a miskin. Rabbah said in the son of Rabbah, another teaching from the Miamos Moshe Ad Rebbe, from the days of Moshe Rabbeinu until Rebbe, we sometimes have leaders and we sometimes have Torah. Very rare that the leader, the king, the one with all the power, is the sage at the same time. What about Ezra? Oh, here he is. Hi, Steve. Good morning. Glad you could make it. Uh, I was afraid that the Wi-Fi wasn't working. Okay. The Gemara's going to ask it. Very good. What about Ezra? The Gemara's going to ask it. Oh, okay. So, um, so we're saying that, that um, it was very rare to have the king and the Torah leader in the same spot. So the Gemara says, well, wait a second. What about Yeshua? Volo havi Yeshua. Yeshua was Moshe's primary disciple, and he was the king afterward. He, he was the same model as Moshe. So the Gemara says, havi Eliezer. No, he had Eliezer. He had a sidekick. That was where the Torah was when he was busy running the country. Um, but when he died, havi Eliezer, well, then it was only Eliezer. The Gemara said, no, he had Pinchas. Pinchas was there a long time. Aye, when Pinchas was alive, wasn't he, wasn't he running the country and the, and the Torah? The, he had the Zikanim. I've Havishol. What's interesting is many people don't know. We, we don't know enough about the greatness of our first king. He, somehow he didn't get the high booking because everybody knows he lost, he, he lost the monarchy, 
but he was the father of our country. He was the greatest, one of the greatest kings. He was almost like too good, uh, Shoal HaMelech. But uh, Rashi, let's see Rashi, what do we know about Shoal? How do you know he was uh, Shoal? Rashi, it's in the middle of the, uh, the page. Gadol B'Torah, he was great in Torah. Uh, but you don't find that he gave classes to others. It is interesting. You have some people that uh, were uh, the last sage that passed away in Israel, um, Rabbi Gershon uh, Edelstein, I believe his name. Right. So he taught Torah for 100 years. You know, not for, he lived to 100 years, but he, for 80 years he was given class every single day. You know, he, was a, he taught other people like he was famous. That's, that's what he did was he, he and, and he didn't, he had, they were younger students, they were high school students too, which was just interesting. Whereas the, the sage, the leading sage before that, Rav Chaim Kanyevsky Zetzal, never taught in Yeshiva. Was never, you know, he was a, he never, there was never a, he taught individually and he wrote, he wrote books that people read, but he was not a teacher in the same way. So, who was the person you're referring to there who you gave classes every day? Rabbi Gershon Edelstein. Yeah, the Russian Jew. But, uh, uh, but uh, the, he, he passed away this year, uh, just recently. But he, until, he still gave classes past 100. Imagine having a Rebbe who's 100 years old. You know, and and he's, the boys loved him. You know, he related to in the largest yeshiva, you know, was the, in Panovich. But uh, uh, Rashi, the, but Shoal apparently t- was learned, but he didn't teach in the same way. But back to Gemara. So Gemara says, even though Shoal was the Torah leader, Havi Shmuel, he had Shmuel with him. Shmuel was the, whenever, apparently the king is pretty busy. So when the king is busy, even if he's a Torah leader, he's not teaching Torah also. So you had two people. I, I Noach Nashe. Shmuel died um, uh, uh, before Shoal. So Shoal's definitely had it all for a certain amount of time. So Gemara said, Kulishni Kamri. We meant the whole era where he was in charge, the Torah Gedula were run in one place. I behave David. David was a big Talmud Chacham, and he ran the country. The answer is Now most people have never even heard of him, but he was the Torah scholar in David's day. I behind Noach Nafshe, but he didn't. He didn't. He didn't live the whole time of David. More coolish in the whole years. This is one of those Gemaras again, which it'll take work to figure out. Uh, we ask. Uh, we give similar answers a few times, and so why? Why do we more keep on asking that question if we already know? And we're looking for, apparently, a leader that was the uh, Torah leader and the secular leader or the king at the same time throughout their whole life. I have Shlomo. Shlomo Melech was a prophet and he was the king. The answer is Havi Shimi ben Geira. Now, the interesting thing is most people didn't realize that Shimi ben Geira was the Torah leader, but Shlomo had him killed. <laughs> that was because uh, he was a troublemaker. That's the... Uh, but, um, uh, but uh, that's the, he ended up killing his rebbe. You know the fact that the, the king would kill the Torah leader. But that had to do with David Amelach, and the uh, it it just deepens the mystery. We not, nobody thinks of Shimi ben Geir as being like the elder sage, but uh, he was. Hakatlu, uh, uh, he got killed. Kulishni came in his, the entire era. I what about Chizkia? Havi Shavna, he had Shavna. Hikta Kulishni came in. Vahavi Ezra, this was your question. The answer is Nechemia ben Chachalia. He had Nechemia. Omar Racha Braidrava Afani Omar, I also say me most Rebbi Lomatina that you didn't have that 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 same type of thing in the same place. That you had both, but they were not in the same spot. I below, what about Huna Barnasan? 
which again, none of us have ever heard of. Right? The Gemara mentions him. What about he had Torah Gdula? Shani Huna Banasna, the Miktiv Koyf Leila Ravashi. He was, uh, even though he was, he was uh, secondary to Ravashi. Okay, so that's the, there's this concept of having Torah Ugedula B'Macham Echad, having it both in one place. I guess that, that there's some, um, some advantage to that or some uh, uh, just knowing that it existed together. It's not clear why the Gemara want, what the Gemara wants, you know, why is that important or not, but the Gemara spent time on it. Okay, finally we get back to Gittin. Uh, that's the sector that we're learning. So uh, uh, what happens if a, a deaf person uh, needs to give a divorce? So normally he has to talk to the scribe and ask him to write the bill of divorce. So uh, how does he do that? He doesn't, so the Gemara answers, he can use sign language, Roymas Vinyirmas, I bet you didn't know they had sign language in those days. What do they call that? Is there the language of the deaf? Sign language? Oh, okay. I, you never know. They have come up with these modern terms for things that are more politically correct. But he could use sign language. Romes, it also means he could go like this and go like, you know, or get her out. I don't know how you do sign language for divorce. <laughs> Cut her out. <laughs> so, uh, however, as long as they can figure out what he means, apparently that's good. Ben Becerra says... He doesn't actually need to do the sign language. He could be kofitz benikvitz. He could do, uh, he could mouth it. Kofitz benikvitz. Um, that's, that's like a little less than sign language. Rashi kfitza akimas fesayim. It's moving the lips. Shinemer kofza pia. Ve'enu simen nikr kuremiza. It's a little harder to, he uh, says it's harder to read the, the lips, the mouthing of it, than it is to tell when you, you know, have good sign language. That's what Rashi says. Okay. Uh, another halacha, but metaltalin, uh, when it comes to um, uh, movables, so we're talking really about certain individuals who can't do transactions the same way as everybody else. Most people, they, uh, in front of witnesses, they declare, they, they say something, they testify, or they, they but a, a d- deaf person, uh, who's deaf and mute, he can't do that, so uh, what does he do? Now, the next question, though, is what about children? Children, uh, they, uh, they instituted that they could make some transactions, so how does that work? So, Haputos, once they're at the putt-putt age, they're at the age where they are, we'll see in the Gemara what that is, if they sell something, it's sold, and if they buy something, it's bought by movables. They can't sell a piece of land. Don't do real estate with a seven-year-old. But if they, uh, if they, you know, they go to the marketplace. Good morning, Rabbi Cohen. Oh, good mo- morning, Dr. Yaffe. I'm sorry. Um, we're at the Mishnah on Nun Tesamad Aleph on uh, 59A, and we're talking about people that can't communicate in the regular way. So we said that the Cherish either does sign language or does some kind of hinting, or Rabbi Yudu, uh, Ben Becerra said he can mouth it. And then we said a child can't sell real estate, but he could buy and sell movables. Uh, okay, let's see the Gemara. Uh, the, the debate is um, if, uh, if the, uh, for movables, uh, whether or not you have to vocalize it um, or, or not, or is, is, does a person have to be able to, uh, can a Kherish do uh, sell a movable without 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 uh, speaking? Abu Begitten, 
uh, or without doing sign language? Can, can you, it's, it, sometimes a person can claim he saw the person mouthless. Especially today, sometimes they have people who, who claim to read people's voices, you know, they read their lips. And it's not a perfect science, you know, that you can, you wonder on that. Like, they, there's sometimes people claim that that person was saying this and, you know, they, they see him in a video or something and they watch their lips from a distance. It's not a, you know, I don't believe that you can say 100% that you read the, read the lips and that's what the person meant to communicate. Sign language is a little more clear. So the debate is by movables. Abel begitten, but... If you're actually divorcing, it's not enough for sign language. It's not enough to just mouth it. Everybody agrees there it needs to be uh, an actual uh, sign language. We said that that's only good enough for movable. Maybe it means even for metaltalin. Or some people learn it a little different. Just like they argue by movables, if it mouthing is enough, that's the maklokas begitten. Didn't we learn by metaltulin? Maybe it means even metaltulin. It's movable to me like animal slaves versus their real estate, right? Correct, yeah. Let's do the first Rashi, Abu begitten. Let's say he got married. Um, uh, B- b- after he got uh, lost his hearing, he wrote to Lahotzi Yotzi. And if he wants to get divorced, he can get divorced, even though his communication skills are not great. Why? There we say, Kashem Shiniknis Baramiza, the same way, how did he marry her? Through sign language. He didn't ask her, he didn't say, Hariat Mikudeshisli, he did sign language. So if that's how he picked her up, Kakramiza, that's how he kicks her out. What? He still have to say, right, he still have to say that, you know, he's giving her money. Well, okay, how does he know that means you're marrying me, right? So that's, that's the question. Okay, um, let's see the Gemara. Uh, I, uh, so then we said with the children, that their sales work by movables. How old? How old is that that we uh, would accept that? So Mechi Rabbi Yehuda the Rabbi Yitzchak Ray, he pointed out to him, Kabar Shis Kabar Shev, six or seven. That, that it's old enough. If they they want to sell something, it works. Where's the, I think that means a certain level of communication. That's putos. Katana, you know, a two-year-old maybe can't talk or something. You need at least that they're. I believe it has to do with the word putos means that they're beginning to talk. They can communicate. I believe so. Rivkan Omar Kabar Shev Kabar Timni, seven or eight. Nasisatari Kabar Tisha Kabar Esser, nine or ten. <laughs> Sounds like a huge argument, Velo Pligi. Kol Chad Vechad Each Some kids are sharper than others. You could have a, uh, apparently a six year old that's ready for it, and then you have a six year old who has no clue. The time of my, what's the reason? Omar Ababa Barakom Yochan Meshum Kadei Chayof. The reason the rabbis allowed them to sell. Uh, even though kids typically don't have the same uh, ability to understand what's happening, is in order that they live. Because if they couldn't buy and sell, uh, uh, then nobody's going to buy from them. It, it was necessary. Kids, uh, they, they sometimes were on their own, or they sometimes would need to scrounge for food. They have to be able to transfer things. Now, this rabbi that we just quoted uh, was Omer of Abba Bar Yaakov, Omer of Yochanan. 
So he had another thing which he taught that has nothing to do with this. This other thing just was a comment on a Pasuk in Molochim where it used a word that we weren't so familiar with. The one who was in charge of the Milsacha. That uh, gave out the clothing to the worshippers. Apparently when they used to worship the Baal, they'd put on some kind of uniform. So what exactly was the uniform? My mil tasacha. What exactly was it? So Omar Ravacha Bar Yakum Ryoka Dabra Nimul of a nimtak. It's something that was uh, rubbed in between the fingers. How did the art scroll call it or rubbed and stretched? Rubbed and stretched. Yeah, I actually looked at it. I did what? It's like a bomb. It's a clothing, it's a fabric. It's a fabric, yeah. It's some kind of fabric that's Devices. Yeah, yeah, it's like a thin. Yeah, it was a certain, yeah, certain uniform or a certain very thin clothing. Uh, there was somebody famous named Bunis. Bunis, the son of Nunis. <laughs> I like names that rhyme. Bunis. That's right. Bunis Ben Nunis. So he sent Rabbi Sibni Vechumis. Silsala umilmala. It also sounds like it rhymes. Sibni uh, v'chumas. So he sent him special clothing. Sometimes people would send the, the rav, like the leader, they would have, give them a special gift. So he sent them this clothing, and you could roll up the clothing the size of a half a nut. Zamguza, kapisko palga. That was a little bit bigger to pis. You know, like the, they have the, the czars used to have these little dolls that fit into these tiny... So they used to make this clothing that you could fold up into a... Um, I actually had like a bathing suit that you could fold up into a little packet that you could like take with you anywhere. So like the, this... Oh, I have one of those. I do? Fold, fold yes. Up inside In the pocket. pocket. Yes. Yeah. That's a great idea. Yeah, right? well, that's so yeah. that's, this, that's how I understood this clothing. It's like it, it, it folds up into like a very small uh, uh, little packet. My milva, what is this word? Milva milva nimtach. It's stretched and, and thin. But v'tusen ag kama, how big does it go? Ad uh Well, now if they um, the the uh, this kid um, until when would it be too young that you would uh, that you would say that the sale has to be redone? So ad, I'm sorry. If v'tusen, what if they make a mistake? You know, if the kids are selling things, you can cheat them, right? So. What, when is it that if they are taken advantage of, if they're sold something for too much, that it can be redone? So, v'ta'osan, if these children who were allowing to buy and sell make a mistake, how much would it be that, is there any different tolerance? Same as an adult, a sixth. If they're overcharged a sixth, then they get a rebate. What if they give a, give a gift? You know, children will do that. They'll give you something. So, Rabbi Amar, nah, they don't have any power. We don't have any, there was no reason to allow them. We're not sure that they, that, that they are capable of making uh, you know, logical decisions. So it's one thing to say if they want to buy food at the canteen that it works. It's another thing to say if they want to give away their parents' money. Um, I, had a, I remember when I was younger, I had a friend whose father had a pharmacy, and he used to give away his father's candy bars to get friends. His parents, his parents would let him take whatever he wanted, and he would go to... You know, everybody wanted to be his friend because he would... So I just, we always wondered, did he really have permission to get all those candy bars? Or, you know, it was like, a, but is their gift a gift? That was the question. Mar- but those children are orphans, you mentioned before, they have, they have to make a sale to, to survive. 
before the whole set of the Galakas dealing with the orphans, you know. Right, right. They're not orphans, they're like children who say dealing the I mean dealing on the side of their parents. Right. Or the orphans. It seems like even children dealing on the side of their parents. That's, I mean, I, it's true. The Kadechayev, would you'd assume, why wouldn't the parents pe- t- uh, take them? Uh, but uh, uh, it doesn't say specifically orphans, so maybe even non-orphans. Orphans is not a different story. But what if the parents aren't taking care of them, or the parents aren't... Uh, so we're saying that... Like a social orphan. Yeah, that's right. So those, those orphans, the only question is, do they also give them the ability to give away things? Uh, so one opinion said, no. Mar Rashi says, no, they could. They, they also need to give gifts. If they give gifts, people will, that's, how, that's also part of business. You know, there's no free lunch. If he gives you a gift, then you'll be nice to him. He'll make a friend. Afko Shadru, the, the, the person who heard the names the rabbis arguing, switched the rabbi's name and they sent it in front of Mordecai. Omer Lei, Zil, Omer Bar, go tell him to the son of the master, Lav Hachi Abedud, you didn't get that straight. Kihavi Koi Mar, I was there when he taught it. He had one foot on the floor and one foot on the step. He, um, just to mention how clear it was to him what the teaching was and who said it, he says, I remember exactly when the Rebbe said it. He was, in, he was walking up the steps to, I don't know which, where he was going, but Amr, he said, it is, we asked him that question, what's the deal if he gives a gift? He said it is good. Now, what kind of gift? Even if whether it's a deft gift, with this, this very strong gift, or a regular gift. Whether it's a big, what if he gives away lots of money? So it either is a gift or it's not a gift. New Mishnah. Fascinating Mishnah. Um, new, we talked about Tikkun Olam before. Now it's a new kind of rule. There were certain rules that were made because of Darke Shalom. Uh, again, we mentioned previously about the rule that a minor, one that a deaf mute can, uh, can get divorced, and another that a minor uh, can buy and sell. Another, other rules that were made to keep the peace. So the first one has to do with the Torah reading. That is, and believe it or not, there are people that have uh, uh, fought with shuls because they didn't get the aliyah. And sometimes there were fights in the shul. Uh, if somebody got the wrong aliyah, how did he go before me? Or how dare the gabai not give me the aliyah? Uh, people took, used to take it very seriously. So uh, they, they still do. Some, yeah, a gabai needs thick skin. That's what they say. Because uh, there will be people that aren't happy with you no matter what you do. So uh, you have to decide. Do I give it to the bar mitzvah boy? Do I give it to the yard side? Do I give it to the yard side of the father? And the other one has the yard side of a mother. And how do I figure that out? So, the following things. Kohen, Kohen, first you call the Kohen, no matter what. Vachrev Levi, then the Levi, the first two. Vachrev Yisrael. That solves the problem. Interesting. I guess we assume the Kohanim wouldn't fight about it. Oh, you gave that Kohen and not this Kohen. But that helps solve some problems. Um, it used to be that with, until then, they would give the most important person first. So, again, we have a formal rabbi. So, it's a certain way that makes it easier. If you don't have a formal rabbi, how do you know who's the most learned person? So I'll tell you the truth. You really don't know. There are a lot of learned, the real learned people sometimes don't walk around with the sign that I'm the most learned person. You know, and so like, imagine the gabai has to like, look around. What do you measure their tzitzis or something? You know, like, how do you know who's the, you know, who's the, who's, who's the most learned here? And so of course you're going to have fights. So ma'ar, another halacha. Ma'ar b'ayis yashmini dar they, um, they used to make an era for Shabbos where they would put the food 
and uh, it's a certain advantage to having the food in your space. You get there first, you get a bigger portion, so you should keep it in the same place. If you go to a different place each time, they'll end up being fights. You try to keep it in the same, same spot. Next, uh, when they open the well, uh, when they open the irrigation ditch, which ditch do you fill first? So you go by location. The pit that's closest to the Amma, Miss Malarishim in Each one of these I'm open to explanations. We just need to move a little bit, that's all. Metsudos. Uh, uh, what about people used to leave traps in the public thoroughfare? Now, the animals would get caught in the traps. Now, you, the, the person who set the trap doesn't own those animals, right? And he doesn't own the space where he put out the tree. You leave out a net, a fishing net. That's international waters. You have no rights to the fish that are in there. So in theory, someone else could take the animal that's in your trap. You know, why not? Oh, great, there's an animal caught there. It's not like they're caught the corner? No, it's not. You don't own it. You just put out the net or you dug the hole. So uh, they said that if you, the, the nets that are made for birds and for fish, there's a rabbinic theft. The rabbis created it as if it were yours if it's in your trap. Rabbi Yossi says, Gezel Goma. He says, that's not a rabbinic theft, that's Torah theft. Um, next, Mitzias Cheresho to the cotton. What happens if a Cheresh, a, a deaf person, or an imbecile, or a minor, finds something? Uh, in theory, they can't acquire it, so you could take it away from them. You know, they picked up something and it, it's valuable. Yesh Bem Mishum Sholem says that if you steal from them, really you're right. They didn't acquire it. They picked it up. They don't know what its real value is, so you might as well take it away from the child. No, that's, it's called theft to take away candy from a baby. Rav Yossi says, Gezel Gomer. It's 100% theft. Next, Ani Hamanaka Barosh Azayis. A poor person is trying to pick the uh, top of the olive tree, to pick the gleanings. So, Maisha talked of what the things that are underneath him uh, we say belong to him, he gets to keep what's right under, you know, imagine somebody's going to go and grab it right under, he would have gotten there in a minute, so those things that he's picking and he reaches for the one above, the one right underneath them also belongs to him. Rabbi Yossi says that's 100% theft. What happens when the Gentiles see that you leave gleanings and they want to come and take handouts? We don't stop them. Even though we're, we try to support our family first, our fellow Jews, if they come in the, in the handout line, that we, that we... So all of these were rabbinic decrees called Darke Shalom. Let's see the Gemara Manahanamili. Where do we know this from, that you should make these decrees? Uh, well, the first one, how do we know the Kohen should go first? So, Omar Rabbeinu wrote Torahs, and he gave copies to a head of each tribe. It says he gave to the Kohanim first. So, Now, don't we know which tribe the Kohanim were from? It tells you that even the, the, the Kohen first. Don't we know the Kohanim B'nei Levi? Ravashi says from here, It says, uh, he was set, uh, set, set aside to be in the base of Migdash. So even though Moshe was very great, the, and he was a Levi, Aaron, uh, the Kohen, comes before the Levi. 
comes out that Moshe was the Gadol Ador, he would get the Aliyah second. Aaron would get first. Rufkiya Barava Omar. So again, uh, as we mentioned, why did they argue with each other? Or each one had a favorite verse? Or each one felt that his verse expressed it in a way that the other verse didn't? He says, it says, Mehalka Bekidashto. It says, you have a mitzvah of, of making, showing the extra holiness given to the Kohen, the Kol Davashem Gedusha. Anything of holiness, you can put a Kohen first. Tanya Be'i Vishmo This, by the way, is the term we use uh, when we show honor to a Kohen. We say Vikidashto. That's the mitzvah, is make him holy, sanctify him. The Kol Davashem Gedusha, Lepsoyach Rishon, to, um, uh, to, to uh, eat the first... Um, to open everything. He opens. Uh, Rashi, let's see the Rashi lips. He's the first speaker. The Kohen should be the first speaker. Levarak uh, Rishon. They have, they, in the old days, well, they still do sometimes. You, the person that makes the motzi used to give that to grandpa. You know, that was the, the motzi was made by the, it, there was such a thing that they, they used to have banquets. They always, they would start them off with the motzi. They'd call someone up to make the motzi. That you give to the, that's an honor. So Levar used to give that, if you have a kohen, you should get that. Lito mana yafa or he'll take the nice portion first. You're saying the Mish, our Mishnah just tells us things which are nice things, peaceful. But Diorisi, well, we just quoted a bunch of psukim that you're required to honor the Kohen. It's true that Torah commands us to honor him, but it's um, but uh, the reason is that it, this way we avoid we avoid arguments. Let's see, is there? Uh, Rashi, It is mina Torah, but the Torah said, honor, uh, just honor the Kohen and you're honoring Hashem, and then it, it, you, you don't have to pick and choose who you honor. If you're a Kohen, then you get called first. So, is that how you learned it? Um, I'm just trying to understand what it means. So I like what you're saying. It's, it's saying it's a little bit deeper that the, the Torah, the concept of trying to make rules that'll keep the peace, is a Torah concept. Right. That's a beautiful thought. Kol Torah Kula Nami it's not only the uh, Leo that's uh, honoring the Kohen, really the whole Torah is The ways of Torah are pleasant and all of its paths are peaceful. By the way, they always say, the, uh, you tell people that if there's something in the Torah, by following the Halacha, it seems like something harsh will come out. Meaning that uh, it's, if there's something that you're trying to do what the Halacha says, but you think the results will be uh, not dark shalom. So ask a shayla. Sometimes the Torah, because that, that the Torah is meant to be a way of peace. Find often that there's there um, that that the uh, sometimes that that halach is different if it's not dark shalom. Uh, there's even a chavetz chaim the mishabrua that like all kinds of rules about who gets aliyahs, who says the kaddish, and he says that. But the number one rule is not to fight. <laughs> like that's So he says, like the master said, If you have two people, 
one should wait for the other. If you have the family uh, eating where there's the plate in the middle, so if you start eating before he gets there, he, he's going to suspect that you took the best stuff and you didn't leave him so much. So two people, you wait for the other before you start. If you have three, you don't need to wait. How about say uh, the one who breaks the bread, who pushes uh, the one who makes the bracha, who pushes yad kila. He takes, um, he 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 makes the bracha and he gets the first piece. The If you want to give that honor to your rebbe, then you could give that honor to him. That's only at the meal that you give the honor to the you know the uh, most prominent visitor. Albeza knesses, but not in the shul. Dasu letzuye. In the shul, you're going to have arguments. Over master hadamas beizak in the lomer the elabes shabbos yomi tovim. That's only on shabbos and yantu. You have so many people. There's bound to be disputes about who's the greatest. Albeshen v'chamishi, but not in the, in the weekday. It's not such a big deal. Lo eini v'ravuna kori b'kohani b'shabbos and yantu. He called the kohanim on shabbos and yantu, but not during the weekday. Shani ravuna defili ravani. He was different. The um, he would get the kohen aliyah. So you see that he wasn't worried about disputes. So Gemara said, no, Rapuna was different because everybody accepted him as the most prominent person alive. They were Kohanim and they were Chashuv. They, Mikav Havi Kafile. Everybody agreed that he was the undisputed leader and he used to get to Kohen Aliyah. They, they bring, today we don't do that. But in those days, the Gadol Ador, in theory, would have gotten the Aliyah first. Um, Rabbi Nektina, we have a rule. What do you do if you don't have a Kohen? How do you prevent a fight? So, if we don't have a Kohen, we don't go to the Levi. We don't have that, that thing. Um, Rabbi Nektina, ain't Shem Levi. What do you do if there's no Levi? Kohen, Kohen. Then you do the Kohen. Ain't you? Ah, if you call one Kohen after another, it seems like the first Kohen was no good. You don't do one coin after another. They'll say the first one's no good. And Levi, they call two Levi's in a row also. They'll say neither one's good. What we mean is we give the first coin to Elias. The, the, the same, if there's no Levi, the coin gets to. I, I grew up in a city where they didn't have too many Leviim. I, I always had two Kohen, two Elias. I always had a double. I remember just growing up. I don't know. I don't know why we had no no levies in Akron, Ohio, for many years. Uh, we said a levy after a levy, they both look bad. And Amri must have, one of them is not a levy. Also, why don't we say One's no good. You know, we know the second ones. His father was a kohen. You could say the same thing about the Levi. El Amri, we're saying, even if the father was a Kohen, it doesn't tell you if the son is a Kohen, because the father might have married the wrong kind of wife. If a Kohen could have married a... That's why the Kohen gene is not conclusive, because if the wife, if a Kohen, a person can be descended from a Kohen and not a Kohen, if they married the wrong kind of woman, a woman who was divorced. There were people that would, would have been divorced and uh, went, moved away and never told anybody that they were married. Uh, and if the Kohen would marry such a woman who was previously married and never disclosed that, uh, the kids wouldn't be Kohanim. Uh, so, so, if Levi mi Kahavit. But the Gemara says, would he be a Levi if the, if the, if the father married a Mamzer? Sulaman, Ila Yoshvin, Hakachazile. Who are we worried about? Are we worried about the people 
that are in the shul, or are we worried about the people that, have, that are walking out, uh, the somebody that came late? So we'll take this discussion um, on Shabbos, Mertz Hashem. We're in the middle of the aliyahs, and the question is, why can't you call a, a levy after a levy? Have a great day, everybody, a good Shabbos. As I mentioned, I'm going to be going out of town next week, Mertz Hashem, got a big kashrus meeting. Uh, I'll be away Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday. Rabbi Newberger, Mitzvah Hashem, will be giving this year. I'm not sure Sunday it might be that you'll go you'll have Rabbi Feldman's year, and then he'll give Monday and Tuesday. I hope to confirm that. Uh, but uh, uh, no virtual, no in person. Um, I'm gonna. I hope to do the virtuals. I hope to be available on the virtuals. Yeah, Sunday. I'm gonna try to do it from the airport. That's I'm not sure of. It's the airport and the Wi-Fi and everything. Uh, but the Merit Hashem on Monday and Tuesday, and I hope to do the podcast as well.